This is the Live Your Edge podcast, episode 42. Welcome to the Live Your Edge podcast. My name is Gilbert Joe, host of the show. Today we have Brandon Kane, innovation strategist for Fortune 500 corporations, brands, and celebrities. Brandon helps them unlock value and transform their business. Now, I first found out about Brandon by reading his book, One Million Followers, where he conducts a number of experiments over the span of 30 days and was able to amass a following of over 1 million followers on Facebook and Instagram. We're going to go into how he was able to gain 1 million followers in 30 days. We'll also talk about the different variations of experimentation. What are the five categories that a variation will fall under? We'll also talk about how social media has changed, how it has evolved, and how you can stay ahead by making these small tweaks in your message. Join me in welcoming Brandon Kane. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Live Your Edge podcast. I'm here with Brendan Kane. Um, Brendan, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, Brendan, tell us about your journey with uh, personal branding and how um, you were able to go from zero to a million followers. I'm sure you get that question a lot. Well, I didn't start on the personal uh, branding journey until probably like two and a half years ago. So I spent about 15 years in the technology, digital and social space, really building audiences and strategy for big brands, corporations, and celebrities. And I initially started off in the film industry, building digital divisions for two movie studios and overseeing the strategy on films ranging from $1,500 million budgets and working with them on how to maximize the potential of digital and social audiences uh, to drive people to the box office to buy tickets to those films. And that also extended to working directly with actors and directors uh, and screenwriters on how to further syndicate their brand online. And then from there, I just realized that I really wanted to explore the world of being an entrepreneur so I left and started building technology platforms and licensing them back to big media companies. So I had built technology platforms for like NTV, Viacom, uh, Vice, Yahoo, and Paramount. And in particular, the, the MTV partnerships opened up the doors to build technology platforms for people like Taylor Swift and Rihanna and other uh, celebrities. And then from there, I just dove pretty deep into the paid media space. So I helped build one of the largest social paid optimization firms. And what that means is we are optimizing advertising spend on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, Twitter, uh, for primarily like Fortune 100 and 500 companies. And through that experience, I just saw the inefficiencies of brand spend against advertising, 
where they would come to us and say, here's a piece of content that we just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to produce and we wanna spend millions of dollars to promote this piece of content to a specific audience. And nine times out of 10, they didn't have the analytics or data to support that decision. They were just essentially risking all of that money in hopes that it would pay off. And for these larger corporations, sure, you can do that a few times and not really be hurt, but it's not a long-term strategy and it's not a strategy for the rest of us where we don't have those big budgets. So I started building my own set of uh, testing methodologies and, and processes on top of Facebook and Instagram to be able to test content at scale and really learn what it would take to get people to engage around specific content formats, themes, and stories uh, to drive the results that my clients were working looking for. Uh, so I was having a lot of success going back to brands and corporations and celebrities. And then it seeded an idea in my head is like I've built this career of working with some of the biggest people on the planet, but what about people starting from scratch, starting from zero? I wanted to see what could be done and if I could apply all the learnings that I had built. And that's where I decided to run this experiment on myself because I'm very much an experiential learner. I don't want to really just talk about things. I want to do things and see what's possible. Mm -hmm. And that's where I generated a million followers in 100 countries in 30 days, which I secured a literary agent and a publishing deal off of it and have uh, been speaking around the world and has really just opened my eyes to the the career of being a thought leader, of sharing information, teaching people, inspiring people to take action. And that's kind of, the book was the start of that journey and that experience that I had of, of building that audience in such a short period of time. So the premise of your, your book, uh, One Million Followers, is about forming a hypothesis and you know, building experiments around it. So what was that experiment for you particularly? Or is there a a structure that you follow when uh, formulating your experiments? So first off, the book in and of itself, as you said, yes, it, I break down the system that allowed me to generate a million followers in 30 days. But at the end of the day, like all that comes down to is constant iteration, content experimentation, and getting better and just learning. Because most people where they fail with social media is they either keep doing the same thing over and over again and, and it just doesn't generate the results that they're looking for. And some people just keep doing it and in the hopes that something will happen and other people just end up quitting because they feel like they're lost or they can't figure it out. Even today after doing this for 15 years, like we're constantly testing and iterating every day. And when I did the experiment in, in 30 days of generating a million followers, I had tested over 5,000 variations of content. And that sounds like a daunting task. It sounds absolutely crazy. It doesn't mean that I created 5,000 different tests or different pieces of content to test. What we will do is we'll take one piece of content and we'll test it 150, 200 different ways to see if we can maximize the potential of that content and generate different results. Uh, so as you started to allude to, like the adaptive process that we, that we use includes three key steps. It's setting a hypothesis, like what is that content format, theme, or story we think is going to resonate with the audience to get them to perform a specific action. Uh, and then once we have identified that hypothesis, quickly going to a test phase where we create a low cost proof of concept that represents that test, is I don't want people spending thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars or months designing a piece of content in the beginning until it's proven. And then the third step is analyzing the results. 
and seeing if our hypothesis held true. Did it generate the response that we were looking for? If it didn't, then we start the process all over again. We set a new hypothesis, we test, and then we pivot. We keep doing that over and over again until we find something that works. And then we scale. And then if it scales, we keep running with it. So at a very high level, that's the process that we use for anything. This is not just follower growth. This can be used for traffic acquisition, leads, conversions. And it may sound simple in terms of those three steps, but it needs to be simple because you need to repeat it. Over. You may need to repeat it hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of times in order to find what works for you in order to scale. So that's the process that I use. Now, let me talk about variations because talking about 5,000 variations just seems crazy and insane. So the system we built, we built it on top of the Facebook and Instagram advertising platform. We don't use it as an advertising tool or media buying tool. We use it as a market research tool uh, because we can control every variable. So with a variation, I consider a variation broken down into five key elements. So the first one is the creative itself. So it's the video or the photo you have. Uh, the second is the headline, the, the text on Instagram, it's below the image or the video on Facebook, it's above. Uh, the third is the demographics. Uh, you can choose males or females or a specific age group. Uh, the fourth is the, the, intra, uh, the interest level, like what types of products or services do they buy? What other brands or celebrities do they follow? Just more information about who these people are. And then the, the, the fifth and the final one is the geolocation. And you can choose all the way down to the zip code. You can choose all the way up to a specific continent, a state, or the entire world. So basically, each one of those five elements are interchangeable. So I could take one piece of content and swap out the headline. That's one variation. I can swap out uh, the demographic. That's another variation, and so on and so forth. So that's where you can take one piece of content and interchange each of these elements to test it and turn it into 100, 200, 300 variations. And what that does is, uh, A, it gives you more chances to learn about what works and what resonates and more chances to win. Because the more chances that you, or the more things that you put out there, it, it gives you more chances to generate the response that you're looking for at the rate that you're looking for. Uh, so that's really the system that, that I devised in order to generate a million followers in 30 days. And again, it's a system that we use in different ways for anything that we're testing or, or trying to grow. So this is all paid, uh, most of it is through paid traffic. Is that correct? Because you're using a, a, the systems built on top well, of it. Well, what we do is, what we do is we use the paid platform as a market research tool and we often use it to, to identify audiences that will share our message. So we use paid to generate earned, but then we also use paid as a learning experience to fuel our organic strategy as well. Uh, so we do start with paid often, but we also use all this intelligence that we're using. Again, we're using it as a market research tool mm. to fuel what's gonna work organically. So basically, once you figure out uh, what works by through the testing of the different uh, variations, now you can use this information to formulate organic content that uh, might resonate with your audience. Yes. So what I'm familiar with is that video is you know, becoming really big nowadays, but how do people use video correctly? I know this is probably really subjective from uh, person to person. And uh, what, what have you learned through your testing about, say, uh, IGTV? Well, when you're talking about Instagram and Facebook, they're the one of the, the, the most critical aspects of 
making content successful in those platforms is understanding how those platforms work. And I mean, all, all platforms that have social video, they're looking at retention metrics. They're looking at watch time. How long can you get somebody to consume your content? And the longer that you can get somebody to consume your piece of content, the more reach you're going to get from the algorithms to more people. Uh, there's this misconception that people equate more followers automatically with more reach or more engagement. It's just simply not the case. Like you can generate all the followers in the world, but if your content's not good, the algorithms aren't going to give you reach because it's going to deteriorate their community. So one of the first elements that we focus on to generate watch time is you've got to capture people in the first three seconds. Because when people are swiping up their feeds, if you don't capture them in that first three seconds, you're never going to get that watch time. People are just going to keep swiping and swiping and swiping. And so that's where you see elements like people have burned in captions, burned in meme cards in the video. Now that doesn't say just because you put a meme card or captions on your video, it's automatically going to lead to success because everybody's doing it now. You've got to really intelligently design that first three seconds to capture somebody's attention, set a clear expectation for the video that wants them to watch more, and at the same time, not overwhelming them. So with a lot of the video content uh, that we create, and if you go to my Instagram account, you can see how we're designing the video content. Uh, we pay so much attention to that first three seconds and really designing it from a communication standpoint to make sure that people stop and they just don't swipe up. Because if we don't win them in the first three seconds, we can never build up that watch time. We can never get to the 10 second mark, the 30 second, the 60 second, and so forth. So I would say that that's one of the big things that we focus on and I really encourage people to look at when they're designing their own content is how are you going to set a clear expectation to the viewer of what they're going to capture and in that video that makes them want to stop and consume more of it. Hmm. Got it. And this would apply as well to uh, YouTube, but I know YouTube is uh, different because it's also it's like a search engine where social media is um, social media. Which... Yeah, it applies, it applies in a different way in YouTube. So what we're seeing is a lot, it's still watch time, like YouTube is still valuing watch time very high, but we're seeing that a lot of views are being generated off of uh, suggested videos and off of people clicking thumbnails and headlines. So the same principles apply in that first three seconds, maybe even less, is like, what does that thumbnail represent? What does that headline represent that is going to make somebody want to stop the video they're watching or after they've watched the video to click on your thumbnail or headline? And, and from our understanding, the, the algorithms are measuring two things. They're measuring what that click-through rate is on that thumbnail and headline as it's exposed to people and pushed to people, and then secondarily watch time. So the thumbnail and headline, we're still approaching it in a similar way. We, we feel we have less than three seconds, maybe a second to capture their attention, set a clear expectation with the video that wants them to click on that thumbnail and headline and then go watch the, the, the video in its entirety. So the two have to play off of each other. Mm, so thumbnail and the, and the watch time. So if someone were to start YouTube today, um, as opposed to a few years ago, now the landscape is getting a lot more competitive. Like you said, everyone's everyone's paying a lot of attention to the thumbnails, um, also you know, the first few seconds. So how does someone stand out if they don't have that sort of um, 
for instance, they don't have a, uh, a software or the, the spending to, uh, to test the, that many variations. Well, we don't do that level of testing on YouTube. I will say with anything, first off, I think you're making an assumption that most people pay attention to this stuff and they don't with the number of people that are creating content there. They're not paying attention to the thumbnail or headline, or if they are, they're not really thinking about it from a communication design standpoint. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not doing their research and they're not doing their competitive analysis of how other people are doing it and trying to learn and, and rapidly iterate. So first and foremost, yes, there's a lot of competition in the marketplace, but I don't think that there's a lot of people that pay attention to the granular detail of what it takes to be successful and to be a student of the game and to be constantly uh, learning from other channels, doing analysis and testing. So if you adopt that mindset and you don't give up and you keep going, you will figure it out and you will be light years ahead of the competition because I just don't see other channels or other content creators doing it. And the people that are doing it are the people that are successful. Mm. Uh, so yes, there's competition, but I wouldn't deter people from trying it and, 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 and building it if it's something that they're truly passionate about. Because if you're truly passionate about it and you put in the, the hard work and the time and the research, you will figure it out eventually. And that's the process that we take is it may take longer but we never give up uh, and we keep stopping or we, we don't stop until we find the right answers. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. So what, how would you define the success for um, you know, influencers such as yourself? You have you know, the reach, you have impact, but it's different for every person. And I think every yeah. person needs to define their level of success because that's what's really going to drive them when things get tough or things get difficult. Uh, I would say that a lot of times I feel like giving up or stopping, but I have my clear why of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And that really fuels me through the difficult times to keep pushing and keep learning. So, but I, I, I wouldn't say that I, to, to find it for everybody, everybody needs to define it for themselves. They shouldn't be, they sh the only places they should be looking for that answer is within, not for, for external answers or guidance on that. Hmm. And what, what has been your daily habit that you, you wouldn't, um, that has led to your success in your own terms? Daily habit. I would say meditation definitely helps. Exercise is another one. Uh, I you know, wake up pretty early in the morning to get started with work, but that's you know, just a personal choice. I don't feel like people have to do that to be successful. But I think having some type of mindfulness a practice, whether that's meditation or exercise or something else that allows you to really step away from the daily grind and, and get perspective and clear your head, I think mm -hmm. has been really helpful to me. And what has been the wisest piece of advice you've ever received? Um, it's a good question. I mean, I think that I don't know where it came from, if it came, I mean, it's, I'm sure it came from external these uh, external sources that I've just internalized, but I think that the biggest thing for me is to really be patient with things and understand that things take time and don't see a, a failure as some, or a mistake as something that is negative, but see it as something to learn from and grow from. Mm, I'm sure our, our listeners will get a lot of value out of that. 
and um, to end off this interview, um, this is a question I got from Johnny Dumas is, well, what was the last time you, you changed your mind about something in the last six months? And how, what was the impact of that in your life? What have I changed my mind in the past six well, months? It could be related to, um, to work, content creation, and, um, or something you learned in your experiments that you previously um, believed well, otherwise. I, I mean, I was just, I did a book signing last night with four other authors, and it was interesting because at the book signing, everybody else was selling their books, and I was just giving them away for free. And that was, to me, I think that when I first got into publishing, I had the perception that you just need to sell as many books as possible. But talking to my agent, my agent's like, you just need to push as many books into the market as possible. Because if you push as many books into the market as possible, and you have a good book, people will share it with other people. And you'll get that organic lift and that brand growth and that virality and the sales will come from that. And I think that that's just a good, a good perspective just on brand building and, 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 and generating an audience or generating growth in, in a personal brand or a company brand is, is think larger than just the initial transaction in front of you. Think about how you're providing value so that you can build brand advocates that will, that will ultimately share your your brand your content for you and that's where i see a lot of potential for growth mm, that's that that makes that makes a lot of sense if our viewers our uh, listeners would like to uh, learn more about you brendan where can they find you yeah i mean they can go to my social channels like instagram they can direct message me at brendan kane uh, they can go to my website brendanjkane.com and Brendan is spelled B-R-E-N-D-A-N. Uh, or they can check out a copy of my book. It's in all retail stores. It's on Amazon. Or we have a, a free book offer where they can go to book.1millionfollowers.com and one is spelled out. And we give away the book for free. We cover all the shipping costs or the printing costs. They just have to pay for the shipping to get the book shipped to them. Well, there you have it, Brendan Kane. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it.